Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you love to be remembered as the person who gives the best birthday gifts, I'm here to tell you that 1-800-Flowers.com is your ultimate birthday gifting destination. 1-800-Flowers has thoughtful and artfully created options that are guaranteed to deliver the best birthday surprise. Shop thousands of unique gifts at 1-800-Flowers.com for exclusive offers and great values. To order today, visit 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. Mirror Lane, Mirror Lane, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror Lane. Good morning and welcome to uh, a rehash of a podcast we recorded yesterday, but the sound failed. So I'm back on with Alex. Like who knows who knows what happened yesterday? Can you remember the game? I can't. I, I'm racking my brain to remember it, but I think we're just going to have to try and relitigate and and see what what comes out of this discussion. Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, overall, I think that we can say that we were uh, we were fairly positive, and now we can reflect on the game, um, having absorbed um, what went on yesterday, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. Uh, as 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 we sort of discussed, I think the main takeaway is uh, there's a lot to be excited about. It was really positive, and really it was a a great showcase for the future for Arsenal. And I, I think the sort of standout performances were all from from our young players. Um, obviously, everyone's made a lot about the the link up between Saka and Martinelli, which is is really exciting. Um, but I thought actually it was uh, Nketiah and Willock and Gwendozi who were who were especially impressive um, and their, their sort of mobility and, uh, and movement uh, caused all kinds of problems for Bournemouth. So I think it bodes really well for the future. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I think the, the, the press after, I mean, you know, Le Grove is, yeah. uh, is, is not a comment section uh, to be, to be dealt with lightly. And yes. I'm in there today and everybody seems to be very positive about the impact Arteta's had. Everybody's extremely positive about the young players and how yeah. they seem to be improving. And, uh, you know, I, I think when we get a little bit more into the performance, I mean, it's starting to look, um, it's starting to look like almost no player is beyond improvement. Um, I know the, the, the Mustafi story, which we'll get into, um, mm. irked people before the game, but you know, he had another good game and his injury doesn't appear to be as bad as first um, thought. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it's obviously good. And, you know, we seem to have a, a slot on Mustafi every time we talk, which may be required. Um, Part of you is is sort of like, 
uh, obviously, I don't want anyone to be injured, but why is it never the bad players who get the long term injuries? It's always the ones you don't want. Oh, uh, that, no, I shouldn't even finish that thought. I, fi- I, f- I philosophically di- disagree with that comment. That is a horrible thing to say, Alex. Um, <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna go through the uh, the normal approach that we do with games. We're gonna yeah. talk about the attack, the defense, and then we're gonna talk about uh, probably transfers today. And yeah. so we'll be back in part two because I'm just going to check the sound because I'm not I'm not losing this one. I'm not losing nah. this one. So And welcome back to part two of the podcast. Um, this is going to be a little bit quicker than normal because uh, basically I'm trying to learn how to be a world-class sound engineer using YouTube videos. And there's uh, like every, every single tool that you buy has a delete fucking everything button. Um, and now I can't fucking recover basically 20 minutes of talking with Alex about... Um, about transfers and you know what our hopes and dreams are it's really frustrating it's really frustrating but one day i will get there and in the meantime i will lose much content in the process but anyway just um uh, let's touch on some uh, of the transfer news that's um, been going on over the past few days. It appears Arsenal have gone from uh, a summer of can-do um, to a January of uh, Dick Law. Let's just call it Dick Law-esque transfer escapades. Um, the m- most entertaining one so far, and it might not actually turn out to be as entertaining as uh, as we thought, but Pablo Mari gets busted coming out of the airport by... Um, uh, an Arsenal journalist. Uh, he looks very sheepish. So does the player. Um, we're all out there trying to work out who the fuck Pablo Mari is. Uh, he plays for Flamengo. They just won the Brazilian, uh, sorry, the South American equivalent of the Champions League. Um, he's six foot three. He's built. He's very, very handsome. Uh, a little bit slow. Uh, maybe like a modern day version of Per Mertesacker. Um, and no sooner have we set our sights on uh, seeing him in the first team for the Bournemouth game than he's back on the plane heading back to Brazil. Um, since then, it does appear that the deal hasn't necessarily fallen through. He was always due to go back to um, Brazil. Maybe he forgot his keys or his wallet. Um, but I, I think overall, um, you know, the big question is, you know, can, can you pick up a, a, a player um, for that much of a bargain uh, and truly get a bargain when they're 26 years old? Uh, some of the history of the player is that uh, he went to Manchester City. He played three years. Um, he did a, a season in Holland. He did um, a season for uh, Deportivo La Coruña, um, um, playing in the second division. Um, he didn't get his move back to Manchester City. He never even trained a day um, with his home club. And then he eventually found his way to Brazil uh, to play under Jorge uh, Jesus, um, where he really began to find his feet. Uh, and uh, now he's uh, he's back on uh, he's back on the agenda um, with potentially getting a move back to Arsenal this January. Um, I don't know whether this is going to be a good move or not. I like the fact that we're taking uh, you know hopefully educated um, educated gambles in the transfer market. Um, but like you know, I, I don't really trust um, Raúl's judgment. Um, I'm not really sure about Edu. I think that summer was um, very hit and miss. I don't like the fact that um, Ka- Canelas is uh, sniffing around um, uh, another transfer. You know, there are Twitter rumors that. 
the Raul has tried to jam his favorite agent into uh, the deal for the the, the Shakhtar um, uh, center back as well. It just doesn't smell uh, very good to me. And and look, I think the a lot of people are saying, well, you know, you should be able to use super agents. And Arsenal never used super agents, and we missed out on players like Ronaldo. Look, I totally understand the benefits of super agents. You've only got to look at Haaland of um, of Dortmund um, to see that you know sometimes a super agent opens doors. But you know the Borussia Dortmund did their due diligence first you know that there was some robust data that sat behind um, the players transfer you know that they had world-class scouts assessing his videos and, and you know going out there watching him in the flesh you know they probably put feeders out to find out what his um uh, what his behavior was like behind the scenes and and then they engaged with a super agent Mino they didn't walk into um into the the headquarters of Dortmund to say, hey, I've got a player that I think that uh, you might like. Um, why don't you do a deal for him and let's do it really quickly just to get it um, through the door. Um, but that's kind of what it looks like with Arsenal at the moment. I mean, David Luiz in the summer, everybody knew that we needed a centre-back. Uh, we waited for until um, uh, the very last minute. Then Kia pops up and he's got a player. David Luiz somehow manages to break his deal, gets a move to us. Who's Who knows what the agent's fees were? Um, you know, I, I heard from behind the scenes that you know that deal could add up to forty million by the time it, all is said and done. Like, really, would a um, would a Sven Mislintat or a decent scout in Europe have opted for a thirty-two-year-old David Luiz? I don't think so. So you've got two things that um, uh, are, are problematic when you go the contacts route. Number one is uh, a contact is never going to have the club's best interests at heart, and number two, like you. You can't always defend the signing of certain players. And if you look at some of the signings that Raul made when he was at Barcelona in that sporting director role, wow, he made uh, he made some bad signings. But when you're a club the size of Barcelona and you've got a revenue pool the size that, that they're dealing with, then you can recover. Arsenal can barely pull enough pennies together to sign a, an eight million pound uh, risky signing from Brazil, um, let alone um, you know opting for uh, you know a seventy two million pound Pepe signing. But look, um, we're, we're not sure whether that deal is going to go through. I mean, I like that. I think he's this Mavinenko, um, the uh, the the fullback um, from the Ukrainian league. Again, I've not done extensive scouting on this player because I don't have time to trawl the Brazilian. Uh, no, sorry, the Ukrainian league. But again, it looks like another defender who's great on the ball. Um, you know, has has a bit more pace than Pablo Mari. Um, will obviously come with that Eastern European fight and aggression um, that you know that we love to watch so much in the Premier League and uh, Shakhtar Donetsk under Fonseca. Like what an exciting brand of football they played! Like a real a real joy to watch. So um, you can see why Arteta wants to sniff around um, a player that's used to. Um, tight possession pace play um, with the ability to play um, a high line. So those are the two players that we're mostly linked to. There's also um, Thomas Lamar, who seems to be coming back onto the scene. I think it's very difficult to judge Thomas Lamar because um, you can sit there and you can judge him by, uh, you know, how he's done under Diego Simeone, somebody that doesn't like to play with the ball, somebody that is all about defense, all about putting a shift in for the side, something that Arteta asks for, um, you 
you know, you can't deny that. But I, I'm not really sure that he is a free-flowing, attack-minded coach that's really going to serve as a player that came from a free-flowing, attack-minded coach. Um, when he was at Monaco, playing in a side that scored the most goals, um, won a, a league on uh, after, um, you know, like defeating a, a PSG side that was one of the most expensively assembled of all time. So, like, could Arsenal um, could Arsenal bring him back from the dead? Uh, could he find the form that attracted a rumoured £95 million bid for Arsene Wenger when he was uh, having desperate times? Look, who knows? Um, but I, I think that um, the more attacking options we can bring into the side, the better. If he's um, if he can go back to you know some of that world class form, brilliant. Um, but again, it seems like uh, one of those deals that I doubt we're gonna pull over the line. Um, uh, but you also have to say, look, Arteta's doing a good job with the the kids. Do we want to put a, a winger in front of um, some of the young kids that we've got in the side at the moment? I don't think so. Um, what what's going to work better for the side? Getting Mustafi back to World Cup winning form or bringing in somebody from a very slow league, two reasonably slow leagues and expecting them to adapt immediately. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't sign anyone. And also, I don't I, like, I feel like we're always signing players under duress. Um, I don't think that the planning has been particularly good um, over the last two transfer windows. It'd be nice to just see where this squad can go and then make some real rational signings um, that are going to move the team forward. Like, let's prioritize that athleticism. Let's prioritize players that can really work in a Mikel Arteta system. Uh, and let's build for the future. No more plus 30 players. Let's try and bring in players that are 22, 23, 24 years old that we're going to get two to three massive seasons out of. That's what's going to excite the fans. That's what's going to prove most value for money. And that is hopefully what's going to get us the potential of a Coutinho signing where we can get a £150 million player and then reap the rewards and then kick on just like Liverpool did. Um, but in the meantime, let's see Let's see where this goes. Um, the good news is that Mustafi's injury doesn't look terrible. Um according to the press so um, it will at least have him available and then we'll see we'll see what magic Edu and Raul can pull off let's see if they do actually end up pulling one of those centre-backs over the line because some of the rumours going about right now is that we could be looking to pull both over uh, so that covers off um, that covers off part two really sorry to Alex we had a great bit of chat I'm really shit with technology um, but we'll be back um, with some detailed transfer analysis next week because the transfer window is shutting in just a few days time um, I'll be back in part three with Alex where we'll talk about the game and we are back um, with part three, the sound is pristine. I'm feeling like an absolute pro, not the failure I was last night. Just so you know, Alex, last night I sat there for four hours trying to fix this sound and it was utterly, utterly depressing. I don't seem to be able to learn. I feel like a, one of the stupid kids at school that's being given um, <laughs> being given a task to do. Like, I don't know, like walk, walk some milk over the... I, I can't even think of anything. But anyway... Um, uh, well, I'll just say that is devastating because I thought 
you know, not to disappoint anyone who's listening now, but I thought the content yesterday was was world class. So, you know, <sighs> yeah. we've just got to make sure we try and reach the same heights today when we've had a bit more time to reflect on the game. But I'm going to be completely honest with you right now. I, I think that you were a little bit tired last night and I think yeah. that the performance you put in so far today has been exceptional. Maybe that's yeah, because you put Instagram back on your phone and you you feel alive <laughs> again. Oh yeah, it's been great just catching up on all the really interesting stuff. You've been ca- catching up on um, elite branded content. Yeah, exactly. Love, love to hear it. Love to hear it. Okay, so let's um, let's refocus our energy on the Bournemouth game. Uh, like, let, let's start with the performance. Uh, I, I, don't, I feel that maybe too much time has passed um, to to really get into the nitty gritty about it. But like, like overall, what did you think about the the, the the game and you know the signifiers of of, of what the performance said? Yeah, I think it was um, it was obviously nervy towards the end, and the result didn't. I don't think quite reflected uh, the quality of the performance. I think there we, we it was really really encouraging, and there's lots again. It's the the trajectory we're on now. We're starting to see it uh, see real progress. Um, we were. You know, Bournemouth aren't a great side. We know that, but it's still away from home. It's our second string team. We've got lots of players out, and we were so dominant for um, for the majority of the game. And we, unlike last time, uh, we were able to sort of turn that dominance into into goals. And it wasn't, you know, it, obviously it would have been nice to to, to score more and, and keep a clean sheet. But I think it was the the quality of the goals scored was what was really exciting. They were real, you know, real team goals involved, lots of movement and, um, you know, instinctive passes. And that thing Arteta talked about when he first came in about just knowing where the player is going to be. And I loved the thing I loved about yesterday was um, the interview that uh, Saka and and Ketia gave, gave afterwards. And I think there was, you know, the, the thing that was obvious from it was they both so clearly are bought into, but also understand the manager's vision. Um, he's clearly articulated it to them. And when they, they talk with such eloquence, but also, um, uh, I, I guess, not, not determination, but uh, for clear sightedness about what, what their role is, what the objective of the team is. And I think that's down to how Arteta, has, his abilities as a communicator, and it, as we've said before, is something we were really missing. The other thing, I think it was Saka who said, you know, we're playing the Arsenal way and passing and these types of goals. And it's something obviously Arteta wants us to be doing. Um and and you know we thought is we were saying in the dog days of Unai Emery, I just we just want a team that can defend and you know we don't even mind winning playing really good football. We just don't want to be embarrassed. Whereas it feels like we we've, we've got a manager who can who can you know do that bare minimum, but also actually is developing a style that is true to the the kind of football we we've grown to. Uh, sort of expect really as Arsenal fans so I think it's it, it's overall it's really positive I'm you know going completely overboard for for one FA Cup game but um, yeah it was great I mean what what about you overall in terms of performance what was your takeaway um, yeah I, I, I felt really positive I mean what that's six games that um, the manager has gone unbeaten now and I know it's only a, a small amount of games but the progress that we've made inside what are we talking now? Three months? 
that's not three. It's like no, a month. three months. Sorry, um, uh, sorry, three weeks. I was thinking. Um, so, so it's th- three to four weeks. Maybe we're just tipping into five weeks. Has been um, next level, um, unbelievable. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Um, the fans are excited. The players seem excited. And I was just watching um, Arteta talk after the game. The thing that um, that brings me a lot of joy with Arteta is that he really loves being Arsenal manager. He loves talking about football. He has this great energy and like charisma mm. and excitement and it's infectious. You know, he's not, um, yeah. he's not Jurgen Klopp levels of OTT, um, mm. but he is certainly um, a very excitable guy. Um, and yeah. I, I, I think that he, he he's he's very um, he's almost strict, um, and you know he has high expectations. He always talks about what he likes, and um, it, there's a clear path, there's a clear direction. And mm. you know, that was a, an FA Cup game that normally we wouldn't have paid much attention to. Uh, yesterday, it it felt interesting. Um, I was excited to move into the next round against Portsmouth, and I feel like there's um, there's a bit of momentum building now. And I know that it won't be playing sailing until the end of the season but you've got to be looking yeah. at one of the cups for maybe a maybe a potential of a win i mean wouldn't it be great to get the back door into um into the the the, the champions league via the europa um this this oh, be, yeah it'd be incredible i think just on the point about his press conference conferences and the infectiousness of his his character i think that is really true and really valid and i think as football fans we all tend to overanalyze everything and assume because there's such big money involved and it's such a competitive and you know hard to uh, competitive sort of environment that there's all these things that we are needed to motivate players to get the best out of them to you know to get a team playing cohesively and all that stuff i think the reality is we, we it is is probably a lot more uh, basic than that if when you see Arteta talking and sort of smiling and you can see the passion but also the, the intensity at the right times and the, the sort of love for Arsenal and the game the players probably feel that as well and respond to that as well in the same way and I think it is infectious and I think when you see you had the same thing with Wenger you know for better or worse he was, you know, when his performances weren't quite at the level, when, when he spoke, you listened and you were, it was compelling and interesting. And I expect it's, it was the same for the players and, and his coaches and, and sort of as a counterpoint when, you know, we, we sort of joked about it, but guy like Emery coming in, he's kind of a, you know, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but he was a kind of a bit weird and a bit just sort of came across as a bit shifty and a bit awkward. And if, that guy is leading you into battle. You're not really feeling it, are you? So, I think sometimes it's it is just as the point about communication. And I think this is something I wanted to mention when we first spoke about Arteta. And people talked about the language barrier with Emery. I don't, I don't even think it's that. I think if his English was flawless, it would still be the same. He would still have the same issue with communication. I don't think he was clear in his own mind about what he wanted. I don't think he was authentic, and I don't think he was. He was sort of would, was able to see his ideas through and would would sort of change his mind. Whereas with Arteta, he's got he's got all those things. So I think that was just a point on um, on that that point about his press conferences. I think on the um, sorry other point about the the cup run. I mean, yeah, why not? And the the, the reason, you know, you've still got to be realistic. We've, we're talking about 
oh yeah, all Arsenal needs to do is get into um, the Champions League is win their first ever European Cup, something, or, sorry, first European Cup for a while. Um, that's it's not it's no small feat, and the the, the odds are we're probably not going to um, do that. But the the thing that gives you sort of confidence from yesterday was is that we we've, we've got enough depth in the squad to put together put out a, a good team in in cup games that can get a result. And again, you know it's Bournemouth, but uh, they're not they're not terrible, and it you know it's away from home and all those things. So. Yeah, why not sort of get excited about that? Yeah, I completely agree. And I think the brutality of um, elite level sport is that uh, being a football manager is not just about technical know-how. If you are not an interesting person and you're a bit of a melt, um, players are going to feel that and they're not going to listen to you. And it doesn't matter how good your ideas are. If you cannot command authority over men, you are not going to succeed. And I think that that was the problem that Unai Emery had at PSG. And I think that you know maybe his coaching style worked for players that needed to be coached. So when you're at Sevilla and you know that you don't listen to Unai Emery, um, your next club could be in the second division it changes the um maybe it changes the mindset a little bit yeah and um but i think with arteta you know he's uh might not have been the most prestigious player ever but he won two fa cups and he played all around the world um but as a coach he's got next level ideas he knows how to communicate he speaks all the languages and you know he's got ideas that you want to get behind and unai emery just simply didn't have those ideas yeah yeah Absolutely. Um, so, uh, um, is there is there anything else that you um, that that you want to talk about? Any standout players that you um, that you were enjoying watching? So, I think we. I mean, what if you know we talked about? Well, I mean, we we sort of touched on them. I think there's a couple of performances to note, right? And and apologies if we're rehashing. Uh, Sacra Martinelli really exciting partnership and again the thing that came through in the, the interview with Saki yesterday was he talked about how he's been you know they've been talking about how they play together and and getting the best out of each other and I, I just absolutely love that their sort of commitment and their professionalism and I think that is a really exciting partnership that's developing I think Nketiah offered us a lot more than Lacazette has done in recent weeks not to be too down on Lacazette. And I think, you know, overall, he's obviously a, a better player at the moment, but it was good to have that depth and that, that option. Um, what were, And as I said, I thought Sabias was good. I thought Gunduzi was really, really good. And I, the thing I love about him is not only, you know, the stuff we know, um, his mobility and his ability to, you know, play out of trouble, his, his calmness under pressure, and and he he's starting to look better in in Arteta's system. The thing I love about him is his uh, his shit housing, uh, which I I can't lie. I, I just think, think it's brilliant. It's great to have a player that opposition fans absolutely despise. Um, I was going to ask you what you thought of Pepe's performance. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I think that I think the Pepe is very in and out. I think that he he's you mentioned the the five aside football stylings uh, of of certain players. Oh no, you mentioned the um, the footballers who look good at five aside. I remember that when we were at university, there were always like certain kids um, from London that could absolutely destroy you in a game of five aside, but put them out yeah. on a lever side pitch and they didn't look quite so quite so fancy. And I kind yeah. of look at. Um, 
Pepe sometimes and I'm like he's got all the moves and all the shimmies but sometimes it just doesn't come off and he looks a bit average you know mm. he, he'll 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 pick up the ball he'll shimmy and then he'll pass it behind him this and like yesterday was one of those games where I really thought that I would yeah. see a bit more of an impact from him but you know the yeah the, he doesn't have the same drive that Saka and Gabriel have and he, he I don't think he impacts the game with um with presence in a, in a way that you would hope for somebody yeah. that rich do you, well, I mean, do you think it's because Saka and Martinelli? I mean, there's clearly Saka is has more license to get forward than Bellerin does, better than Bellerin does. So I, I wonder if it's he's he's a bit isolated. And I think the thing we want, like, the thing I really want to see for would be good to see for Pepe is, and maybe it hasn't quite happened yet, is developing the an understanding with Lacazette and Aubameyang and Özil because there's there's some interplay, but they're not quite all clicking on the same wavelength. And I think they haven't really had enough enough game minutes together yet. But I think once that takes off and they 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 start to, you know, the the movements become a bit more intuitive and the understanding does, I I think he might explode. But I just I just felt like again yesterday he he was a bit isolated and even within that he did a pretty good job of you know of being dangerous and creating chances. Um I, I just I think it's he's he tends to be more isolated on the right than the, the left wing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I, I think that he's. Uh, I think that by the time we get to the end of the season, hopefully we'll be seeing a more consistent side of him, and hopefully yeah. we'll um, we'll we'll see the true Pepe coming through because he certainly doesn't yeah. look like a 72 million pound player at the moment. And um, like the 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 core narrative of the season seems to be overall the 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 kids outshine the seniors, which is great to see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, right, okay. Well, I, I think I think we're 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 closing in on uh, on forty five minutes. Yeah, um, I, that was a that was a good podcast. Thank you for um, jumping on board. No worries, man. It's a pleasure as always. Um, um, so the next game's at Burnley um, at the weekend. Mm. Um, you you feeling good about that? They were on a bit of a run, and then they just lost to um, Norwich in the FA Cup. Look, I am. Um, Positive FC at the moment, and I kind of hate Burnley. I know not for more for just Sean Dyke and his Dyche Dyke Sean Sean and his whinging about um, Arsenal sort of um, histrionics and things like that. I think he he's a manager who sets his team out up to go out and rough people up, um, which is fair enough. But then gets upset and cries foul when when teams sort of you know give it back to to his players so I don't really like him um and I hope we beat them uh handsomely uh awesome yeah I'm kind of hoping the we can turn them over because they you know they had a cut they had a good result against uh United beating them for the first time ever uh Old Trafford mm. poor old yeah. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh but then um you know, you just you don't know what Arsenal's going to turn up, but like it's starting yeah. to feel like you do actually know what Arsenal's going to turn up, and at least they're going to fight. But um, yeah, so w- we shall see. Okay, mate. Well, t- thank you for joining. Um, if you're listening to this, remember give us a five star rating um, on iTunes. Share it about with your friends at work, and uh, we will see you next week. Um, thanks for coming on, Alex. Cheers, man. Thanks. Ciao for now. Peak 
Peacock Streaming. The biggest sports and live events on the planet. From Super Bowl 56. What a game this is. To complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. Streaming every event, every day. Yes! It's all the unprecedented. United States wins gold. Unstoppable. Sensational. Unbelievable. Sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.